because by the time you're listening to this, it will be indeed the magical month of March. This is March, baby. This oh, yeah. is March. I was, well, we'll just keep that aside to us, but regardless, it's going to be an interesting episode. We have a lot to talk about from the ranks of the conference tournaments that have already been announced within the past weekend. And we're going to start with a very interesting situation out of the Missouri Valley Conference with Loyola Chicago. This is a team that lost to Northern Iowa on the road on Saturday. They also lost the Missouri Valley Conference regular season championship in the process. And in doing so, they not only dropped their quad two game, which they're now two and four in that particular quadrant, but they have dropped to the number four seed in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. And before we get to anything related to the Conference Tournament itself, let's dive into what Loyola Chicago has done so far this year within its resume, which includes three Quadrant 1 wins, a Quad 3 loss against Drake at home. And so it's they've done a little bit of everything within this resume. The metrics do favor them. The strength of schedule, not so much. The strength of record is 55. So about right where it needs to be. It's a very interesting situation, and there's been a lot of chatter about if this team needs to win the conference tournament to get into March Madness. And I guess I'll just start off with that question straight up. Does Leo Chicago need to win the MVC tournament to get into March Madness? I think so, because that obviously entails them losing another game in this tournament. And there's only so many games that you can pick up to where it's a quad one loss in the Missouri Valley Conference. I mean, just... Looking at it, it'll be neutral floor games, obviously, in St. Louis. And that means that the team has to be in the top 50 of the net in order for it to be a quad one game. Currently, Loyola Chicago is the only team in the top 50. So that would mean that they would not be able to pick up a quad one loss unless if Missouri State wins a couple of games handedly. And then they're probably the team that beats Loyola Chicago. And I'll just to state this as well. For quad two, it needs to be in the top 100 in net, and Northern Iowa is barely hanging on to that. They're only there because they beat Loyola Chicago. Right, Bradley is 95th. That is who Loyola Chicago will start the conference tournament on Friday against. Drake is 90th. Uh, Missouri State 65th. So there, there's a lot of teams that are just kind of in quad two at this point, and for a lot of them, they're barely in quad two, which really makes things interesting for Loyola Chicago going forward. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with uh, Don here. I mean, Loyola Chicago cannot afford another loss, so uh, a conference tournament win for them would be numbers. Yeah, and, you know, being a number four seed, I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming, but it honestly just goes to show how well teams like Northern Iowa, uh, Missouri State, and Drake have done in the MVC conference slate. These are three teams that have done very, very well within this, and it led to all kinds of chaos in that final day with Loyola Chicago having the possibility of dropping to a four, which they surely have had, and they will start with Bradley, which I think I mentioned before, 95th in net, so you have no idea if that's going to hang on to quad two or not. You will get another shot under an Iowa, presumably, if, that, if the chalk holds up. 
And again, Northern Iowa is also barely a quad two game. So there's a lot riding on these on this conference tournament for Loyola Chicago, a team that pretty much a lot of people was really looking at as an at-large, but those hopes are becoming very slim for the Ramblers. And so with that being said, I mean, let's give this conference you know, a bit of a credit. It's a conference that has always been highly competitive like this. I mean, you've barely had years where you've had a dominant team within this conference. And I think Loyola Chicago kind of learned that lesson the hard way within this week. The fact that they dropped to a four seed. I mean, quite frankly to me, if you had told me three weeks ago that would have happened, I would have been like, ha, 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 you're kidding, right? Sure enough, it's happened. Yeah, and I mean, if they literally would have won on Saturday against Northern Iowa, they would have been conference champs. So it was just the, the dominoes didn't fall the right way given that they had started losing. So they, they did this to themselves. They have no one else to blame but themselves. So it, it's got to be up to them to get the job done, play their way into March. Yeah, and, and it's going to be very fascinating to see what the bracketologists end up deciding on this team because in the bracket matrix... For the longest of time, Loyola Chicago has shown up as the AQ, um, and, uh, and really, therefore, have been in almost every single bracket by default. That is now changing, and CBS's Jerry Palm does not have Loyola Chicago in his bracket. No, they don't. They shouldn't be. Yeah, so I mean, you're going to see a lot more bracket story to reflect the reality of Loyola Chicago and just how they are, and and I think that's where we are ending up with this Loyola Chicago team. Now, with that being said. Should this team go on to produce damage um, within the MPC Conference Tournament, win the Conference Tournament, get in, where do you guys think this team may end up doing? What do you guys think this team may end up doing in March Madness? Should they get there? I mean, I, I personally, I would fade them. I would I would pick them to lose their first round game. Dep- yeah, it definitely depends on the matchup. Right. And Loyal is a team that can upset a team or two, but yeah. um, depending on where they're at, uh, but without looking at that, I don't see him making that much noise and not being a second one. Yeah, that. and should the Matrix seeds hold up as of this particular moment as we're recording on February 27th, they face Arkansas in round one. That would be a, certainly a tough matchup right. uh, for Leo Chicago. And I mean, just to put it in perspective, this team went 32-6 and six the year that they ended up making it to uh, making it to the Final Four. So they're 25-5 and five at the end of the regular season this year. They are twenty-two and seven, so a little bit worse than that than that year. But I mean, it's still a team that you know the metrics. You know, some of, some of them are hovering around top thirty. Others have this team just barely in the top fifty. KPIs at fifty-eight. So metrics metrics are a little bit over the place, but they all are in the top sixty. Uh, so you have at least at the bare minimum that going for you. Let's move on to another conference whose conference tournament has released. That is the Ohio Valley Conference. And it's, a, and it's the tournament of Murray State, the one seed, a team that is a bona fide NCAA tournament team. And as we mentioned on our main show, which you can listen to on your preferred podcast platform, preferably after you listen to this, but this is a team that has absolutely no pressure on them in the OPC tournament. Nope. I mean, they've done their work, and they've done it efficiently well. A team that has gone perfect in the Ohio Valley Conference, and in an 18-game schedule, that has never happened in the OPC. I mean, what a what a great final ride in the Ohio Valley Conference for this team. It looks like about a program that is moving up and has proven to the country and to its own conference that they've mastered the conference. 
look no further what Murray State's done this year. Tremendous job. Right, I mean, knocked off Belmont, who I believe has won four straight regular season titles. So, Belmont just as quality of a caliber of a program as Murray State is, and Murray State absolutely pummeled them uh, this past week. So, they've been a lot of fun to watch, and they're absolutely worthy of being a tournament team. They could lose to whoever they end up facing that first round in there. They're still a tournament team. If they do that, they're probably sitting on the 10 line. But right now, Bracket Matrix has them as an 8 seed. Yeah, and, and, and you know, as of late, there have been some teams that have taken some really good shots uh, at this Murray State team. Moorhead State a few weeks ago, February 12th. Uh, that was only a four-point win on the road uh, for Murray State. You know, one Saturday later, just a two-point win on the road at Tennessee Martin. And one Saturday after that, another two-point win on the road at Southeast Missouri State. So this is a team that is battle-tested as well, which is also another positive quality for a team. Right, and I mean, being battle-tested against Southeast Missouri State, Tennessee Tech, it's not the same. Tennessee but, Martin, but still, yeah, yeah, right. still kind of the same effect. It, the, the point still stands. Like, Yeah, they ended up winning that game, which is all that matters, but you can't play like that in the NCAA tournament. No. You're going to get crushed. Absolutely, and no, I'm curious what Mr. Cantini has to say about this, but, you know, some of these close games, who knows? Things make it very interesting uh, for Murray State in this OBC tournament because teams want to take a shot at these guys. Yeah, we mentioned this on our show uh, at 7 o'clock that you can find on BlazeRadio.com every Sunday at 7 o'clock Arizona time. BlazeRadioOnline.com, but you're making the effort. We yeah. love it. We love but it. Don mentioned um, Murray State has nothing to play for in this tournament. So it will be, I think... I would almost find it as a surprise if they ended up winning this because they're they're a tournament team, and as we've talked about the last couple of minutes, they played close in a lot of their games. So um, this Murray State team is definitely capable of losing in this tournament and letting another team steal a team from another. Yeah, and I will tell you from personal experience, I've been to a couple of Ohio Valley Conference tournaments myself. Murray State fans will take four center over. Um, and, and, and especially in a year like this where you know, there's excitement, they're undefeated in conference play, they're ranked nationally. Uh, this is a team that has the momentum behind it. Well, can I counter that? Their fans may not want to pack the stadium because they know they're going to go to the NCAA tournament and they don't have to show the support for their team in this game to have to make it. Well, with, well, well would there not be an excitement level about a, about a team? Oh, I mean, the win? excitement level's there, but it's not... Especially when you're trying to win a conference tournament in a conference you're leaving for the final time. Yeah, that and that that could be true, but the, it, they also may say, well, we don't have to like go and drive all the way that, that way to Evansville to, to support the team. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's actually that far of a drive either, which is kind of the reason why Murray State fans usually love going to Evansville for the conference tournament. Maybe. I don't think it's that far of a drive. I mean, you're talking about a team that's just sitting in the, you know, the little tiny town of, you know, Murray, Kentucky, which, again, for a team like that to end up getting a uh, spot in the Missouri Valley Conference when you're coming from that kind of town is just ultra impressive, uh, to say the least. But when you look at, you know, well, I'll just pull up sort of the distance. I mean, it's only a two-hour drive. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not that's nowhere near bad at all. I mean, I'll take that. No, to go it's to a conference tournament. Yeah. I mean, I will gladly take that, especially if Murray State does end up playing Belmont in the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament Final as their arch rival and a team that they will able also see on an annual basis because they're also going to the MVC with them. And so I definitely think that's going to play a part in it. And so, and so to kind of conclude that conversation, you know, Murray State's going to have their fans behind them. 
at this conference tournament. And and it's even more so with all that momentum going in with them. It's a, it's one of those teams that you can get excited about because they will they are in the tournament no matter what. And if they win that conference tournament, they will be really highly seated for a mid major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's I mean and, and, and being like I'm gonna go off what you said, being able to say that you won the conference tournament leaving the tournament too. So last time you were in that tournament you won. Um that that will do numbers for this program. So I guess Nick is right in a way where this program is leaving and they are they are the number one seed, so all these fans are being excited, so Yeah, it's like for a program that you know you're going to the Missouri Valley Conference, which quite frankly is a dream for Murray State, that they're being able to do that. I mean, what better way to show the country that you are that program than to be able to just take over the four center one last time in a conference tournament and be able to do what you do best, and that for this team is win. Uh, but with that being said, of course, we've mentioned this, teams have taken shots at Murray State, and they've been incredibly close games. Murray State has had to come back in some of these games and find a way to win. And it's been really tough for Murray State, particularly in the last three weeks on the road, like I mentioned, in those games. There's been some really tough tests for this team. And just looking at the bracket as it stands, uh, should the chalk win out, Murray State will get another shot. At, well, I should say this the opposite way. Southeast Missouri State will get another shot at Murray State. And my God, will they be motivated after they almost beat them the last time? Well, it's not that they're going to be motivated. It's that they're going to believe that they can do it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and, uh, and that combination is dangerous. If I had, if you put a gun to my head and you said Field or Murray State, I would say Field. I would. Mm. Yeah, and I'd say the winner of that Belmont yeah. Moorhead State game is probably going to win because they're those guys. I mean, especially for the seniors, they don't get another year of eligibility. That it's their last college basketball game ever, if they lose. Right. <laughs> so a lot of motivation on the line and. That team's probably a twelve or thirteen seed. Yeah, and and and, and you, I mean, you never you never know. I mean, they might get an invite to the CIT or the basketball classic. You yeah, know, that is true. The CBI right. or the basketball classic. Now mm-hmm. I'm getting my postseason tournaments confused because of the name change of one of them. Um, but but you're absolutely right. Still, like the CBI and the basketball classic is not the goal. The goal is March Madness, mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament, and so for those programs, you want to have your absolute best uh, against this Murray State team. Uh, and, and really, just for the sake of seeing before I move on, I mean, who knows? If they had not lost that game on a neutral floor back in November 22nd against East Tennessee State, who knows what their seeding would have been. I mean, that's just that one loss um, really kind of sets them back quite a bit within that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you guys that Belmont and Murray State will be able to take a great shot at Murray State. I think something for Surrey State may also be able to take another good shot I'm mean, going they got that belief, like you mentioned, that we can do it as, as, we, if, as long as we hold on, we can do it. Mm-hmm. And so the target on Murray State's back becomes larger and larger and larger. And if you are the teams that are still in the OVC, your Moorhead States, your South Missouri States, uh, and your C. Murray State leave and Belmont leave, wouldn't you want to give them one last good shot in the conference tournament? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would be a great way to, to ruin them, especially – for uh, for Belmont because they're not going to the NCAA tournament unless they win it all. Murray State, I mean, it would be cool to beat them for the last time, but they're still going to the NCAA tournament. So it would taste a little bit more sweeter if it's against Belmont. Yeah. Unless, unless if you're a team coming from the bottom of the bracket and you beat Murray State to go to the NCAA tournament, then that would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be something? Um, but, you know, that, the potential that bid steal 
it, it's surely much there that we've, we've, like, we've illustrated here. And so even before the big boys play their conference tournaments, they're going to be sweating this for in Evansville throughout the entire week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very dangerous. Though. That conference tournament starts on Wednesday, March 2nd with the 5-8 and 6-7 matchup. It is a step ladder bracket, so Murray State of Bell will not play until Friday, March 4th. And so with that, we're going to spend some time discussing some of these early conference tournament brackets that are out. Um, now, for full analysis from one of us on these conference tournaments, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at College Bonanza. We're going to post bracket breakdowns for every single conference tournament. That is a staple on our Twitter page, at College Bonanza. We're doing it for the third year running, um, or at least the second year of a full conference tournament slate, because, you know, 2020, wah, wah. Yep. But... We're so excited to bring you all kinds of great content there for practices. You do not want to miss out on that. Follow us at College Band to make sure you do not miss out on any of that content. Uh, so we're going to start, well, let's just start off with the one that's going to, that, has, that would have already started by this point, uh, by the time you, you have this podcast available, the Northeast Conference. Um, either Fred Dickinson or Central Connecticut by this time will be advancing to the, to the quarterfinals to play against Bryant on, on Wednesday, tomorrow. Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. All the quarterfinals are on that. They're on, on NEC Front Row, available online. It's an interesting tournament. And Brian and Wagner was a game that I watched on Saturday. I came impressed with the with the energy um, in, with the Bryant program that they know they're doing something they've never done before. Uh, and they already did it. One for the regular season championship. Another trying to win the conference tournament for the first time. Uh, and, it's, and you could just tell the, the energy and momentum behind them. And I honestly believe that with conference tournaments having full fans again on these campus sites, I think that will matter this year. And if, at least for me, if I see a close game on campus site, I'm probably going to go with the home team because that, that that's going to matter. No, it does matter. And Bryant and Wagner both choked it away last year because they were the two best teams in the conference last year. Uh, Mount St. Mary's was the tournament representative last What's, year. What seat were they last year? Mount St. Mary's? Yeah, were they a four? They were first four. They, they, oh, oh, in this, they yeah. were the three. They were the three. They are the four this or maybe, year. Maybe they were the four. Yeah. They, they were tied with yeah, us. Like, I remember like I remember that, that it's very similar to what it is this year. And that program has has shown they can do damage. So it would be very interesting. Now, of course, this tournament will reseed after the quarterfinal round. So you have that little wrinkle to throw into the picture as well. Um, but Wagner's been the best team in this conference analytically. Brian has a regular season championship. That'll be a very, very fun conference tournament. And that's with all of these conference tournaments. Conference tournaments are fun. They're great. We love them. Mm-hmm. They are what makes bracket season amazing. And so, I mean, of course, some of the casual fans might miss out on these major tournaments, but they're all great to watch. They really, really are. The Patriot League tournament um, starting on this Tuesday. Lafayette Bucknell, Holy Cross American. The first round there of Colgate, the number one seed. Haven't watched too much of the Patriot League this year, but Colgate is one of those teams that's really, really wanting to watch. When in doubt, Colgate. Navy's also really good. Got to respect the troops. I mean, thank you to all the guys, uh, men in service. Uh, you know, World War III's on the horizon, so no, I'm just kidding. But uh, but uh, it's always fun to watch. And these... Na- and, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Navy's also got a very good defense. No, Navy's got an elite defense. So, 44th nationally. Uh, their Kong. offense is awful. But the defense is going to keep them in the games. Uh, I'd be shocked if it comes down to anyone outside of Colgate or Navy. Yeah, I mean, it was a four-game gap between Colgate and Navy. And so that's going to be something really, really tough. Um, 
and and it just kind of shows you how how much of a class Colgate was throughout the course of the season, despite the overall record between them, Navy, and also Boston University being very very similar. The Yaysen Conference divisions, boo! Mm-hmm. We don't like divisions here on the Bonanza, but this is going to make for a very interesting tournament. Regardless, because of the divisional seeding uh, that has been introduced, with well, and then the reseeding with the divisions, like oh, so annoying. We assume that it's going to go by conference record, and then if they're tied in conference, it's going to go by net ranking or head to head. We don't know. The website was very shoddy, so oh, uh, pr- projecting this tournament was kind of difficult. Yeah, that's going to be uh, quite the struggle. Um, but we mentioned a little bit of this in our main show, um, how you know the division leaders. Uh, those that are their, their number one seats in their division, pretty solid teams. Liberty and Jacksonville State, all pretty solid within the analytics. Um, it does get a little bit shaky from there. Bell and not having the best defense in the world. Jacksonville on the offensive end of that. Uh, but there's still quite a lot to like about this tournament. Yeah. Uh, Liberty and Jacksonville State are the two prides of this conference. Uh, Liberty has been the representative for quite some time now, winning a couple of tournament games in there as well. And then Jacksonville and Bellarmine have, like you mentioned, uh, they're they're slandered towards one side of the spectrum. But all of a sudden, if you get hot on the other side, so like if Bellarmine really steps it up defensively, or if Jacksonville starts knocking down shots, they're they're probably going to win this tournament, either one of them. So uh, that that's what it comes down to. Yeah, we're going to run through all of these early brackets, fast and furious here to close out their program this after party. The Horizon League, if you like reseeding, ooh, you love this tournament, reseeding after the, after the first round and the quarters. Uh, so this will be fun. And you mentioned this too, Dom. One last chance to fade IUPUI. Yeah, IUPUI sucks. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's man. no other way around it. Oh, man. Uh, they will get one final go of it uh, against Oakland, who is the best team in this conference, according to Ken Palm. They, they, uh, they fell out of the top of the race uh, in the final week and a half of the season. But Cleveland State, Purdue-Fort Wayne, Northern Kentucky, Wright State, uh, they have all been fairly solid throughout the year. A uh, couple of these teams, uh, their tournament, they're pretty commonly in the tournament. Cleveland State was a representative last year. Wright State a couple times. We've seen the Norse in there. Uh, Detroit Mercy is the best player in this conference. Uh, Antoine Davis. And then Purdue-Fort Wayne has uh, Damien Chung-Kui, who was the point guard for Mount St. Mary's, who played in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, and Oakland beat Cleveland State on Saturday at home. So that just throws all kinds of wrinkles. And the quarterfinals last year were absolutely electric. I honestly cannot expect anything different. I mean, this is really good stuff when this tournament this conference. Yeah, and then just looking at it, uh, Patrick Baldwin is one of the best players in this conference. He has not played in almost a month. So uh, you're, you're not going to see Patrick Baldwin just start falling out from Milwaukee. Yeah, that's, that's tough for sure. Um, the Big South, we mentioned a lot about Longwood. Uh, on our main show, 15-1 and one in conference play. They are at the top that they've ever been. They're looking to get to the NCAA tournament for the first time in Division One. Uh, but Winthrop and Gardner-Webb, they're just waiting there. Um, you know, the two teams that have done quite a bit of work in the Big South in the last several years, and that long sweep, and that one seed, it's the team that's never been there before. No, and Winthrop and Gardner-Webb both have the higher analytical uh, profile. So if Longwood does get to the championship, uh, all likelihood they will be playing one of those two teams and teams that have seen success getting to the NCAA tournament. So Longwood's going to have their cur- their uh, their work cut out for them. Only had to play Winthrop and Gardner Webb once in the regular season because this conference, while they do have divisions, they just went based off conference record in terms of seeding. 
which is perfectly fine. Uh, you know, I like that a lot, actually. If you're going to do it like that with divisions, you want to format it like this. That way it's just simple. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a lot of teams like Winthrop and Gardner Webb would to play harder teams, but lost a little bit more and didn't have a chance at the one seed. Yeah, take notes, Aston. Even though I know what you're going for and trying to get different divisions to face different divisions in the first round, but take notes for sure. The Sun Belt Conference, Mr. Cantina, he mentioned this at Texas State in our main show. The Tina has quite a bit of pressure on them being a number one seed with teams like Appalachian State and Georgia State as the two and the three in this conference. Yeah, like the last time um, Texas State played in this tournament, they were in a one seed as well, but they were upset in the quarterfinals by Appalachian State. So I would say there's kind of a target on their back as somewhat of a fraud, you could say, um, being the number one seed for the second straight year. So if they can make their way through this tournament and get a conference title finally, that would be um, pretty great for this program. Yeah, and Texas State this year, 12-3 and three, uh, in conference play. Uh, and, and Texas State is another one of those programs that, you know, just hasn't done a whole lot within the course of their time um, in Division One. I. I mean, when they were in the Southland, um, when they had that time there, I mean, they were really in a spot to where they were kind of outshadowed a little bit by some of the other, of the other teams. And, you know, like a Stephen F. Lawson that was there w- within that particular time. Uh, you know, a team that hasn't been to the NCAAs in quite a long time. And and they just haven't seen to have gotten going in the Sun Belt, but the last four years, they've been pretty solid in this conference. And they're really right there. Once again, uh, Coach Cherish Johnson has done a very good job with the Texas State team so far within the course of this season. We talked a lot about the Missouri Valley Conference earlier. We talked a lot about the OPC Conference tournament earlier as well. The Summit League tournament, all of us mentioned South Dakota State as a team within these early brackets that has the most pressure on them, and for very good reason. A team that has gone perfect to Summit League team, first time ever within that conference. A team that will not make the NCAA tournament in at large. So much pressure on this team. It has a really elite offensive profile. And, you know, when you face teams like Omaha, Kansas City, South Dakota going further along, you know, that pressure really starts to creep up in their minds. And, you know, over the course of time, will that pressure get to them? It's going to be the big question uh, with the Jackrabbits. Really, really good offense. If they got into the NCAA tournament, that might that might be very interesting to see that offense uh, compete against some of the better teams in the country. Uh, but you look at the Summit League, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was a five-game gap uh, between themselves and North Dakota State elsewhere a lot of parity and that could bring a lot of chaos elsewhere in this bracket guys yeah uh, i think it's going to be very interesting to watch just because uh we're not sure i mean we we really assume that south dakota state is not going to get the at large but uh belmont a couple of years ago uh, in 2019 they got into the first four after uh not necessarily being a surefire lock so it could happen it they would definitely have to make it to the championship and either lose to Oral Roberts or North Dakota State in a really close game. And you want to handle your business getting there, like, handedly, if you want to do that. or They don't want to, but that that's how you're going to be able to push that. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting uh, because they're just going to have guns going for them. And Max Amos, I mean, we saw him pop off in the tournament last year. Uh, he does not have Kevin O'Banner, of course, this year. He's... He's trying to play uh, to get up on, possibly on the one line, or stay on the two line, more importantly, uh, at Texas Tech. But 
North Dakota State is also very good as well because they ended up getting the two seed after Oral Roberts lost on Saturday. And that Belmont team a few years ago, that was 2019, uh, that Belmont team, they went into the NCAA 26-5. and mm-hmm. uh, They lost to Murray State in the final of that particular tournament. Uh, and they got into the NCAAs as an 11 in that first four. Uh, this this year's uh, South Dakota State team, just kind of looking off of what they have done, they are 27-4. and four. Um, They don't have that quality non-conference win. The metrics are not in their favor, which is a big part of why South Dakota State is in a must-for situation. Uh, but you look at a team that could go into the NCAAs 30-4, and four, they win the conference tournament. Ooh, boy, that's going to be interesting. Uh, to say the least, within the respect of that conference tournament. The West Coast Conference, the ultimate stepladder of conference tournament brackets, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, Santa Clara, San Francisco, BYU, the top five seeds. We mentioned quite a bit of this in our main show, but just to kind of summarize the points within uh, this conference tournament, it's a conference that likes to protect its top seeds uh, within this format. And you played hard in the regular season for the reason of you wanted to get as good of a seat as possible so you could skip as many days in this conference tournament as possible. BYU will have to play in the second round on Friday. They had a loyal Marymount and Pacific, a guaranteed trap. And for a bubble team, we mentioned this on Sunday when I mentioned it again, that's not good. No, it, it's not. I mean, BYU really did themselves no favors. And it, they have no one to blame but themselves. And... The analytics just don't favor them at all. They have nine losses when they're playing in the West Coast Conference. Uh, they only went nine and six in conference play, which, of course, conference play doesn't show up on your resume on Selection Sunday. But, I mean, I, I think that speaks volumes. I mean, yeah, the West Coast Conference was actually a good conference this year. But losing four straight, one of which to Santa Clara, who's not a tournament team unless they win the conference tournament. And then at Pacific, who's awful. I mean, that, that loss really, really stands out. The loss at Utah Valley, probably not a tournament team. Neutral floor against Vanderbilt, not a tournament team unless they win their tournament. Creighton probably is a tournament team, so it's not a bad loss. But, I mean, they just did themselves no favors, so they absolutely have to beat LMU. They prop, they, I mean, they, they really, realistically, they need to beat San Francisco. And then if you do that, you're, you're sitting definitely a lot prettier because that's a quad one win. And then you get a shot at Gonzaga again. And I'm really. sure you could say the same thing, Katini. Yeah, I... Any team that can take a shot at Gonzaga in this tournament, they have a chance to boost their resume uh, tremendously. And like Don said, with BYU going up against San Francisco, that's a game that they can pick up. And then, then of course, Gonzaga. So it really is how many games you can pick up in this tournament, how many more games you can pick up in this tournament and get into that final game, which would most likely be against Gonzaga. And I mentioned the SoCon tournament bracket real quick. Chattanooga further in the top two seats. Top two seats in this conference analytically. Watford not too far behind, though, analytically. A four seed for them. They'll play VMI in the first round on Saturday. But the SoCon has produced some good stuff before. They've produced really good teams before. Uh, and if Chattanooga and Infirma come out of this, another really solid team in the top 100 in Kempom to try and compete in the NCAAs, should they do it. Yeah, we all remember the Mercer 14 seed that knocked off the Duke 3 seed Wofford when they were the 7 seed, knocked off, you know, just blew out Seton Hall, and then just had the worst shooting performance of the season against Kentucky and nearly beat them as well. Chattanooga has one of the best uh, Cinderella runs of all time. We, of course, talked about that this past summer. And then UNC Greensboro, uh, one of the best reputations in this conference in terms of just getting to the NCAA tournament and being an upset caliber team. And they have the analytical build. Slow tempo, really strong on defense. Their offense is not good at all, but 
Uh, I mean, if they get there and they start making some baskets, I mean, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. So that'll be it for this edition of our Bonanza After Party. Again, you can listen to our main show from this past Sunday on your preferred podcast platform right, right about this time. And don't forget, Sunday at 7 o'clock p.m. Arizona time, we'll be back with another episode on Blaze Radio, blazeradioonline.com. That was going to be all kinds of really good fun there. For Dom Continuing, Dominic Strub, and Nicholas Hodel, have a very good rest of your week, and we'll see you on Sunday on Blaze Radio. Yeah.